This segment of Off the Hosel is powered by SaskGolfer.com. He gave it away. Coulter scores. Hey everybody, welcome back to episode number 26 and the Adam Scott podcast is the number 26 on the FedEx Cup rankings. Today's a great day for podcasting as I missed all you faithful listeners. It feels like it's been a long time since we've chatted as I welcome in as always my brother, my co-host, Troy McClurkoser. How are you doing, brother? Hey! And back in the studio, Danny D. Hag. Boys! Danny, uh, it's good to see you. What do you think about that? Very nice to see him in the studio. Been a while, but yeah, I'm back. So let's uh, let's chat chat about our weekends here. Let's let's talk about. I honestly, I'm so excited to see both of you guys. It feels like I said earlier off the top there, like six years since we talked already. But uh, let's go to you, Troy, first. How was your weekend? Weekend was good. Uh, Friday, actually had a fantasy baseball draft slash slash auction and yeah i got some guys that i wanted uh probably all for nothing because uh the way covid's running rampant down in the states right now i don't know how they're gonna get a baseball season did they just say that they canceled the american league today the minor no, leagues they can't well they canceled all minor leagues wow. there's no minor leagues that's why i know we're a golf podcast i'm a huge baseball fan all right we're a sport cast too yes uh all major league teams are carrying 60 players on their roster now yeah, and then they said that they're going to, what, go down, like, every so often? It's called a taxi squad, so... Taxi! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Some guys, there's a lot of minor leaguers out there that, uh, quick example, Seattle Mariners have a guy by the name of uh, Julio Rodriguez. He's 18 years old, I think, and he's playing with the team. Really? Probably won't get any at-bats. It's just, you know, seeing there's no minor leagues, uh, they get more practice i guess with the major league teams to get them ready for the future are they doing so. uh sorry to cut you off are they doing 60 games 60 regular season? Six, 60 game season okay. uh they got some really goofy rules that hey you know what if the season goes it goes cool uh i know extra innings are starting with a runner on second base they're doing universal dh now so the national league has dh not just the pitcher spot yeah. Yeah. Uh, again golf podcast it's just it was kind of nice Friday to get together with the boys, do a baseball auction. Saturday, Sunday, didn't do too much. It was a pretty quiet weekend. No golf? No, none again. Didn't get invited. I know, uh, I know. well, we'll get to your weekend. But Let's uh, spin over to Danny here. Uh, I didn't do too much this past weekend here. Again, I've been working lots. That's why I haven't been here the last couple of weeks. So, But I'm happy to be with you guys here. So, Right on. As always, we're happy to have, well, I'm happy to have both of you guys back in here today. Um well, yeah, Drew, how was your weekend? Oh, it was great. So my weekend, um, I was up in Kenosi in White Bear, played some golf with a good buddy from junior in an event or, uh, you know, just some fun golf, I guess you'd call it. But I go up Friday and we play um, White Bear. Beautiful truck. Never played it. So I get off work, rip down to White Bear <laughs> and Sean McNall, friend of the show, goes, hey, we're playing a game. Get down here. I get to the golf course. Sean rolls up. We're on the tee. Oh, okay. Like my back's out of commission by any means. So I did out of the, out of the uh, my vehicle, ripping his cart, get to the first tee. I don't know or anything. This whole course looks like a dome to me. There's trees everywhere. The, the lines we're getting were brutal. We did lose money. Um, 
but unbelievable course. So played Friday there and wow. But I mean, I just, we'll talk about the round, I guess. So first hole of the day, I go driver, eight iron, birdie. Oh, I'll eat this course up. Nope. <laughs> I've played there before. Oh, I shot a good 81. A good, I'm, I'm a one right now. That's a good 81 on that course. Yeah, I know. I was talking to you last night about uh, my rounds up in White Bear. You know, I wanted to mention today was today's podcast, but I think I played five rounds in six days and my best score was 87 with a mulligan on the front and the back. And, and I know you would agree with me. You better be straight because it's so tree-lined, lush, oh. beautiful course, so many dog legs, though. just awesome golf course. Like, yeah. The course was, it's very tough. It's mint. It's in lush condition. It was unbelievable. And what I was trying to say earlier was that me and I think Sean McNall, or Sean McNall and I, I think you're one of the best dynamic duos in two-man golf. Got stroked, lost, we're upset. And the one guy goes, uh, I won't say his name, but he, he's funny. So we're, I just meet him that day. I feel like we're best friends now, but he's, you know, I blow one in the bush and he's like, oh, be a Christian, be a Christian to him. And then, uh, you know, he's just, what a beauty, you know, and like two good guys to play with. We end up losing uh, great course. And anyhow, so then we, I stay the night. So you have someone say there, I was going to say, how many golf balls do you think are in those trees? There's a lot of coaster Drew golf balls in there. <laughs> but if I had to play there, I would probably be broke. Not because of the membership, because of the golf balls. Golf balls, yeah. So we're looking for a golf ball sponsorship. Uh, if you're listening to the show, anyone, I will play anything. So <laughs> anyhow, the next day comes, go go home, get ready to go, and I'm in this event, or whatever you call it, or a little scramble thing. And I, I mentioned off the top, I play with uh, Kyle Merdlod, Wigsy there. So. Wigsy. Wigsy Malone, I told him I was going to call him now. But uh, anyways, we play this tournament, and wow. This course, too. Never played Kenosi. I've never played Kenosi either, no. People say it's easy. Uh, well, first hole of the day, and I think I got the wrong direction. They're like, yeah, you got to just blow it up the, over there. I melt one down the middle. Like, oh, boys, we're laughing. Right in the water. We're down one early. So um, <laughs> the first day, and I, I put out a post on the story there, and I, I was I said I was shit. I, I was brutal. Didn't know what, I didn't know what I was doing. Murdlod brings me in, Wigsy, to be the, the ringer. Well, we flopped that around real quick. He was the grinder of the group. He was just, he got us in for a 78, not very good in scramble. Okay. We're in first place day one. What did we do that night? I've never learned yet. I'm going to say you went out and had a few cocktails. Okay, buckled. <laughs> buckled. Like, I'm, <laughs> Wigs wakes me up in the morning. He's like, Coach, we got to get going to golf. I'm like, man. Like, I had two coffee and I was just like, you can't see me right now what I'm doing right now, but I'll shake him. <laughs> Anyways, get out there. I turn my game on, and I'm playing way better. So I figured the course out, got the lines going. Um, but anyway, I, I was so shitty the first day. I shit. I was brutal. I stunk. Um, yeah, great time. But we also won some money. We 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 won uh, first place in the second flight. And yeah, what a, what a time. We won some money. It was a great, um, yeah, it was awesome. Thanks so much to the Wigs and Kenosi and White Bear for having us out. Hello, friends. Zaba Financial has long supported golf in Saskatchewan through competition and sponsorship. Zaba Financial has also been giving financial advice since 1987. The Zaba team helps people live a life of fulfillment and financial stability now and in retirement. Whether it's growing your net worth with their exclusive investment strategy, lowering your taxes, creating intergenerational wealth, or making sure life has zero interruptions with insurance, Zaba Financial can help. Visit zabafinancialgroup.ca 
to see how financial advice is better with Team Zaba. Alrighty, boys, let's segue into some golf talk now, PGA talk, uh, SAS golf talk. But look, first off the top, what a week for golf. The old Travelers. Travelers was great. What what a weekend. I mean, uh, DJ comes out of nowhere and wins. Yeah, and barely, barely. Streelman was right on his ass. And DJ, was it on a number 17 that he punched one over the, into the railroad tracks? I think it was 17. Yeah. Had to hit a provisional. Found out it was an OB. Still makes par, I believe. Streelman birdied on the hole 18. And yeah, so he ended up, it was, it was close. It was really close. So before we talk about D, ah, yeah. You know, anyway, so I think the odds were like 51 to 1 on DJ. I throw a Toonie. Toonie. Two dollars, one, two dollar American bills, one dollar American bills, and a Toonie Canada. Like Toonie Tuesday. Toonie Tuesday or Tata Tuesday. <laughs> so, oh, no free ads. Anyways, um, a toonie on DJ to win the golf, and it paid out a decent amount, $141. It's not a lot. Sure as a hell a lot more than $2 uh, it's bet. a $139 profit. I ain't complaining. What about McKenzie? Right. How about this one? This guy bets $10 on McKenzie. He used to be day one leader. You want to know what the payout is? Well, hold on a sec for the payout. I think the three of us all know what he shot. I'm sure the listeners do, but 60 and he could have made 59. What an he, idiot. He missed. Yeah, what an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what was the payout? This guy paid $10 on Mackenzie Hughes to be day one leader. $10,000. So he bet so. 10 and he won 10 grand. <laughs> wow. You, I got to start doing it. We sh- I think we should it. do it now. We can't say where you're betting on because I don't even know and we don't get sponsored by them. So. Maybe you can tell me off the air, and I can have a look. Cause, uh, I think we're going to do a three-way pool here every week. I think we should. Uh, 15 bucks a guy? Actually, yeah. you know what I think we should do is get one listener a week, too, to join our little... Uh, oh. Phone in? Yeah. Phone On the in. hotline. Yeah, the hotline. Off the hosel. Hotline. What's your beef? <laughs> so there was some uh, COVID uh, stuff, too, going on. I mean, do you want to talk about that at all there, Troy? Breaking news. PGA Tour announced on Tuesday that Chad Campbell has been withdrawn from the Rocket Mortgage Classic in Detroit. Uh, he's the sixth player in the last 12 days to test positive for COVID, joining Harris English, Dylan Fratelli, Cam Champ, and Denny McCarty. Thoughts, Drew? I'm just like more curious, is the PGA going to get shut down? No. Why? Uh, their, their testing is, is incredible. I mean, they're, we heard it from, uh, peps, peps. I mean, they're getting tested three times a week, four times a week. So unless there's like a mass, you know, cases that happen. Right. I don't, I don't think it'll get shut down. And, and like with Chad Campbell, they've already said, no, you've tested positive, go home, stay home, you know? So now is that the 14 day quarantine? Is it like 10 days or what is it? A week you missed the I, event or? Well, I think it's two weeks. Yeah. 14 days, I think. Okay. So, yeah, that's our breaking news on COVID. Yeah, we're getting some new uh, fancy gadgets in here. Anyhow, let's move on to uh, this week's event, the Rocket Mortgage Classic in Detroit, home of uh, Joey Koser. Um, yeah, thoughts this week? Who do you got? I know Varner, I got. Varner, Varner's winning it. 
I know who you're taking. I got uh, my money on six guys. Um, Matthew Wolf, DeChambeau, Fowler, Finau, Snedeker, and Bubba Watson. Danny? Let's go with Fowler. I'm going to pick Fowler. Speaking of Fowler, did you see Hovland's pants this weekend? Those orange ones are beautiful. I was like, I want to buy them. I tried to buy them online. Not a thing. Can't, so cool. Can't buy them? Nope. How about Phil wearing joggers? At 50. The aviators was the best. And just like, oh, oh my. Any, speaking of, yeah, I, I don't know. I, just, I was shocked how Phil's wearing joggers at 50. Nothing wrong with you wearing joggers at 50. You don't see that, though. You don't. It's not often you see that, but good for him. Can uh, I actually add a couple to my uh, winning potential people? Sure can. I'm going to select. I, I, I know I said it last week. Bryson's there. Uh, Looking bigger every I'll, week. I'll, yeah, I know. Did you see his meal that he intake he takes a day? I, I seen it on Facebook. 3,000 calories a day. I, I, you have to go look it up. It's insane. That's, that's nine milkshakes. It, if I believe, <laughs> if, if, I, if I remember correctly, it was three eggs, five strips of bacon, two things of toast and a protein shake for breakfast. Stage five clinger. Yeah. <laughs> uh, lunch was assorted snacks and three protein shakes. It was steaks. You'd have to go look it up. But no, I, I want to select Kevin Kisner. Kiz. Kisner. And like I said, Varner. Just trying to think, who's the one? Who's the one? What do you call it? The, you know what the odds the were? Diamond on v- in the VJ Singh was. You were telling if me. You put a dollar on VJ Singh to win this week. You'd win twenty-one thousand dollars. Yeah, I'm not going to. Jason no. Day. That's my. That's my other guy. I'm going with. Man Rocket. Yeah. yeah. Man Rocket. Should be an interesting tournament, though. I'm excited. Fires it's, um, up uh, tomorrow, so. Yeah. Okay. So our let's boy, look. our boy Abe's not playing this week. Not he's playing to the week off. Weeks. You know, he's you've, cashing those checks like Happy Gilmore. I want one of the big checks. Yeah, you finished uh, under tie ten for three weeks in a row. You you, you can take a couple weeks off. So God, is he playing good? Good good job to you know Abe and Dale. So uh, let's move on to some upcoming events in golf in Saskatchewan. Here, I don't even know if it's happening to be honest with you now. So the Social Wealth Management Saskatoon Amateur Championship early in July. I I, I don't know. If it's a go, I haven't really seen much on uh, on the old social media handles. Um, yeah, do you want to move into our guest today? I think we could do that. Let's do it. So as we said off the top, it is episode number 26, and I believe that was who? JML? Adam Scott, podcast, but also who wore number 26 in the National Hockey League, a king weapon, John Michael Lyles. Man Rocket. Man Rocket. JML. JML. Yeah, that's uh, his initials. Very good, Troy. <laughs> um, I know Danny's a Leafs fan. Danny, you, you have any thoughts on uh, the old Johnny Michael Lyles? Oh, I'm looking forward to it. He was, uh, he was a stud, actually, back in. He's he was buzzed playing. around, hey? Oh, yeah. He's a good Snapping around. So John Michael Lyles comes on, talks about, uh, obviously, playing in the NHL, some funny shit he talks about, um, and a hell of a golfer. He's a plus one cap. He he can play. He talked about his baby shitting on the floor um, <laughs> like twice in two days. That was so funny. Um, Troy, you have any thoughts on uh, John Michael Owls? Well, I don't want to give any spoilers away. I think, yeah, I, I want our <laughs> listeners to listen. And listen to where he's from. Zionsville, Indiana. Not many hockey players coming out of there, let alone in the NHL. It's funny, Drew. We recorded with him, what, a month ago probably? Three and a half weeks ago? And I still remember exactly where he's from, you know. <laughs> Sometimes I forget where I'm from, but when, when it's something like Zionsville, you don't forget. 
Um, okay, so that's our guest today. Quickly before we go, I know Troy wants to plug a few things, but before we do that, um, social media handles, Instagram and Twitter. I believe they're both underscore off the hosel. Facebook just off the hosel. Um, yeah, go follow us. We have tons of shit going on there. You know, lots of giveaways. Um, you know, check out our player stuff we got going on with them too. And Troy, I'll uh, give you the floor. No, I just wanted to uh, make mention for our listeners again that uh, there's that Candlelight Golf Package up from our friends over on Facebook at Hook, Line, and Sinker. I know that the uh, link will be on our uh, Twitter and Instagram bios. Also, it's always on our Facebook page. We uh, put it at the bottom of the post. Click on it. Go over there. Uh, get your tickets. 30 bucks a spot. It's almost full. I think last time I checked, there's... Two or ten. three spots, right? No, I think there's More? 10. 10 or 11 spots left, but it will fill fast. It's a no-brainer. Well, 30 bucks. So here's what you get, Drew. Daniel, here's what you get. d You get to golf for two days. Unlimited golf, right? Around and around and around and around and around. Cart, right? Cart. 24 beer. Swag bags from player. Sponsor. Your own townhouse or wood log cabin, I guess they call it. Uh, 200 bucks gas money to get you there and back. It's, it, it's a hell of a trip. Why, why and, and I do it? I know I have a spot. I bought my spot. I bought or, my sorry, my ticket. Drew, I know you bought your mine. ticket. I'm Daniel? Gonna buy, I'm going to buy one now. You're going to buy one right now. That's right. Yeah. Before we leave the studio, you're buying I'm doing one. doing it. So yeah, go over, check it out. Uh, as soon as that one fills up, I know they're going to be putting up another golf package, I believe to Kenosi. Um, and if there's anything that you guys want to have on there that, you know, you could purchase, just, you know, shoot us a message. Uh, it, again, it's a no brainer, 30 bucks for a ticket. So, and yeah, as, as Troy just mentioned, we're pretty active on our social media. I mean, Daniel or myself or you are all on it. So if you have messages, answer, we'll answer it. And, um, yeah. And you also want to touch on something else as well, correct? Yeah. You know, we, we were very thankful for all our, all of our sponsors that we have on the show. Um, we were really excited. I think we announced a few weeks ago that we did join forces with the, I think rather big sponsor in uh, golden tea. Not that anyone's little. No, no, that's not, that's not what I mean. But I mean, this is a North American sponsor, right? I mean, golden tea, you see them in all the bars, you can play it at home. It's an online game. Uh, anyways, I went to the mailbox yesterday. Well, not the mailbox, I guess the front door and there was a 75 pound box Troy's jack now <laughs> yeah, I mean, yo i'm ripped <laughs> and there was shirts cups golf balls laptop holder baggy thingies that you young people know what they are i'm old i don't know um briefcase tons and tons and tons and stuff so i you know i was talking to dan and drew before we hit the air here and i think that we're gonna just say screw it we're gonna just give some of these shirts away to some of our listeners thoughts well, I wanted to have 85 work shirts for the next 20 years of my life, but um, yeah, no, we're going to, I think, give away 20 shirts. Um, we're going to go on, and basically what the, the contest is, is you have to go to Apple on iTunes or Spotify, um, rate our podcast, so write a comment, rate it, subscribe, that's it, right? Leave a comment, I guess. Rate, rate comment, and? Subscribe. Subscribe. Now, in order to get a shirt from us, uh, basically screenshots, what you just did, put in your story or send it to us in our DMs and we'll get your information and get you a shirt. They're pretty sweet shirts. First 20 people. Yeah, so don't mess out. Other than that, uh, you think we should send it over to John McAllows? Yeah, let's do it. This segment of Off the Hustle is brought to you by Brownie's Golf Shop at the Royal Regina. 
Southern Saskatchewan's premier custom club fitters. Using FlightScope and GC Quad technology, Brownies Golf Shop will give you the high-performance club fitting you need for that new driver or set of irons. Offering a full line of clubs featuring Titleist, Ping, Callaway, TaylorMade, Cobra, and Srixen at the best prices. Brownies Golf Shop, high-performance club fitting to help you enjoy the game. Contact Dean at RoyalRegina.com to book your fitting or yardage gapping appointment. Alrighty, today we are pleased to be joined by 14-year NHL vet, smooth skating, snapping a tape-to-tape, undersized D-man with a great head of lettuce, Olympian, and a plus-one handicap, Mr. John Michael Lyles. Thanks for joining the podcast today. Thanks for having me, guys. That was was, was quite the intro. (laughs) (laughs) So... What's going on, man? I mean, you're. I mean, I think you're down in Colorado still. What's new in your life? I mean, yeah. I, I know you have a couple. Is a couple kids, I believe. Yeah, I have a couple kids. I have two daughters. Uh, one turns five in a few weeks, and the other one turns two in uh, a little over a month. So, I'm uh, I'm right in the thick of it, especially during quarantine. But uh, the weather's weather's starting to turn here, and been able to get out and golf once. Uh, here in the last few days, which has uh, been a nice, nice saving, uh, so, saving grace. <laughs> so, so you're almost out of the diaper changing days, eh? <laughs> oh man, we're 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 right in the thick of potty training. Right now, <laughs> so, um, uh, just full disclosure, she took a dump on the floor yesterday, which was uh, <laughs> which it's wasn't funny, ideal, but uh, <laughs> uh, we're 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 getting there. We're close. We're really close. So I'm curious. I mean, obviously we've been talking. I mean, the last few days you've been blowing your phone up. I mean, but you golf today. Uh, you know, with I mean, obviously with uncertain times and COVID right now. I mean, what have, what have you been up to? I mean, obviously besides taking care of your uh, your kids. I mean, what what are you? Are you still working out? Are you still training? I mean, what's going on? Uh, I, I you know what? Honestly, my my uh, my big thing lately uh, before the weather turned because we we live up in the mountains, so they closed all the ski mountains. So. Nobody was skiing anymore. Um, everything kind of shut down. So my big saver saver was uh, I, the Peloton in our basement. So I've been doing the Peloton, and now that the weather's turned, I actually have been getting out on my mountain bike quite a bit, which is which has been awesome. Okay, so I want to backtrack now. I mean, you're born in correct me if, if I didn't even say this correctly, Troy, Indianapolis, Indiana, and raised in Zion, <laughs> Zionsville. <laughs> let, let's back let's backtrack to it. <laughs> Okay, let's yeah. backtrack to a young John Michael Lyles lifestyle. What were you doing growing up? What sports were you involved in besides hockey? Uh, and before you answer that, John, I got I got to ask: <laughs> being from Indianapolis, Indiana, how in the hell did you get into hockey? You know what? It's it's it's, uh, it's funny. Um, I, I just my my dad and my grandfather used to go to the semi pro games in Indianapolis. We used to have a. a well, Wayne Gretzky actually was there with the Racers for about 12 games before the Racers folded. folded. And then uh, we had the uh, the Indianapolis Checkers, and we had the Indianapolis Ice. And so my, my grandfather and my dad used to go to games because um, they loved to watch the fights. And, uh, and, and so then I started going when I was young and, and started playing hockey. And, and I, I don't know, it's just one of those things I was fortunate enough to keep moving on every year and, and uh, being able to take the next step and um, trust me, I, like I, you know, short kid from Indiana, it, it was, it was a pretty good run for, <laughs> for me. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, all my friends, I grew up playing baseball and, uh, you know, baseball, soccer, uh, and, and hockey and, uh, a lot of golf as well. And, and somehow just 
you know, hockey was the one that kind of, you know, came to the forefront. I mean, I was always growing up, I was always way better at baseball and that was kind of my, my thing. And, and I don't know, hockey just kind of took over, um, when I was, uh, uh, you know, about eighth, ninth grade. So raised in, and I, I, again, I, I'm going to pronounce it the way I read it. Zion, Zionsville. <laughs> Zion, Zionsville, Indiana. It's a, it's, a, it's a suburb of Indianapolis, but it's, I mean, it's a small town. It's like We're from Saskatchewan. It used to be about, <laughs> Yeah, it used to, well, it used to be about ten thousand people, and I mean, honestly, you're you're probably not far off being uh, being from Saskatchewan. I mean, Indiana is cornfields and car racing, and, and uh, there's you know if, you, if 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 you like if you like those two things, it's a great place. Uh, but you know, beyond that, I mean, it's it's flat, it's flat as hell, and uh, and yeah, hockey's not huge. So so in Zionsville, other than yourself being, I'm gonna say probably the most famous person from there is there is there anybody else that comes to mind uh man i honestly don't know <laughs> like like born and raised in zionsville uh i mean it, we've, we've had a couple of, a couple of guys i mean a couple of major league baseball guys that, that came out of there um actually one of the guys that like i grew up playing baseball with i was the starting catcher and he was the starting pitcher he played for the cleveland indians for probably seven or eight years Who's that? Um, as a pitcher, and, and uh, his name is Tommy Massey. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think he's in the, the major leagues anymore. Um, but uh, yeah, he played for for a number of years in major league baseball. But yeah, I mean, uh, Dinesville was you know pretty small, uh, brick Main Street, um, you know, one nine hole golf course, and uh, that was uh, they there. There, I mean, there was an amazing course on the no- like just out of town on the north side. It's called Wolf Run. And they used to, I mean, it was like the hardest course in the state of Indiana. They used to have this, this like wolf sanctuary on the property. And, uh, that would be scary at all. It was, it was, yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> they weren't running around wild. They were like, they were in you know fences or whatever, but I just remember it always being, I, I, I only played it once all growing up. And, uh, and I just remember everybody saying like, it was the hardest course in Indiana by far. And uh, I think it's actually shut down now. But, yeah, that was kind of our claim to fame as we had, you know, north side of town was Wolf Run. So I wanted to ask, uh, I mean, we asked the same question to Mike Commodore as well. Was the WHL ever yeah. thought for you? I mean, or was it always college? I mean, obviously you go on to play at uh, Michigan State University. Yeah, I mean, honestly, so I I, uh, uh, I played for the U.S. National um, Program and then uh, had, had some offers from colleges. And, and at the time, I mean, I was – I, I mean, I'm still not big, but, you know, 5'10", 100 and, you know, 150 pounds at the time. And so for me, it was kind of always going to be college because I, I never really thought that I was going to play pro hockey. I mean, it was like I took it year by year. And especially back then, you know, early 2000s, it was, you know, short defensemen weren't, there weren't a lot of them in the NHL. I mean, you look at like Brian Rafalski was probably the, the, the yeah. main one. And, and other than that, I mean, you'd be hard pressed to find many more. Um, you know, here and there, maybe one on, on, you know, every three teams or something. So for me, it was always, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try and get my education and, and make sure that, that I have that. And, um, you know, Michigan state really helped me prepare and uh, become a better hockey player. And, and I was fortunate enough to make the abs, um, you know, the next year after I graduated. So, I mean, just touched on, I mean, obviously being, being a smaller, you know, player and, you know, you made the NHL and playing for so long, what was that grind like? I mean, yeah. and you know that you're a smaller guy. I mean, when did it go? Yeah. This could be a job and a career. Oof. 
Um, you know what? It was honestly, I, I, it was after my junior year of college. I got uh, I got a call about potentially leaving a year early to to sign with the Avs. And I had been drafted after my freshman year, and, and honestly, I tell this to everybody. I mean, getting drafted was the easy part. It's, it's you know, it's making it and uh, yeah. and making it a career. That's the hard part. Um, for me, it was after my junior year when I got a call that said, "Hey, would you be interested in leaving early?" And at that time, I think I was you know five ten, a hundred and sixty two pounds, and I'm like <laughs> heavyweight. I, you know, I'm like, guys, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm just striking fear into everybody I come across. Um, you know, but I, like I was skating was always my thing. That was, that was what I prided myself on. It's what set me apart. And, and so I just said, you know, I need another year. Um, I'm going to stay four years. I'm going to get my degree and, and we'll see how it goes. And, you know, my senior year, I, it ended up being, um, you know, about as good as I could have asked for. And, and, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I, I improved in a lot of places. I got a lot stronger. I, I, I put on some muscle, and I think when I came out, I was 175 pounds, uh, which at least gave me a, you know, a little bit more of a chance, uh, you know, moving on to the pros. And, and, and then, you know, it was uh, I played 10 games in the minors after my senior season uh, with Hershey and, and then made the team out of training camp the next year. But it did give me that extra you know, year or, or 14, 15 months to, to try and put on muscle and get bigger, get stronger and improve my game, uh, you know, make it a little bit more well-rounded so that I could potentially have a shot at making the NHL. So I looked on Google, you and I are roughly two weeks apart in age. What, what is John okay, Michael I, Lyles weighing I, in at uh, 39, pushing 40? <laughs> Curious. Uh, you know what? I'm actually right about my playing weight. Like I always, I played, you this know, guy's yo, Troy. 185, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 185, 190, uh, 190 pounds. And that's kind of where I've, I've hung at. Uh, I, I've I'd call you a fat bastard, but I know that that's but... all muscle. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I've lost, I've lost some muscle, but I somehow have gained some flexibility. My wife has has uh, become a yoga instructor since I retired. So that, that's helped a little bit. And then the, uh, the, the quarantine Peloton, you know, five, six days a week has also helped. Right. So, so back October in 2001, you, you got to take part in the famous cold yeah. war game. Um, yeah. I don't know the exact attendance. You might, uh, what, what was that like? I, I could only imagine. Uh, I mean, it was, it was pretty amazing. Um, not only, I mean, it was really, it was the first major outdoor game in North America. I think Europe had, had stage one or two, but this was kind of the one that set the bar for, for everything that the NHL did, you know, uh, what, what now is a, a, you know, a couple times every year, um, you know, it kind of showed how it could happen. And we did it, you know, like you said, first week of October, and there's no guarantees in Michigan that the weather's going to be cold. I mean, we were fortunate. It was, it was 65 degrees, like, up until the day before the game and then it dropped to 35 40 degrees and you know the game went off without a hitch but i mean it was amazing i think we had 75 76 thousand people it was a world record at the wow. time That's and crazy. i mean so i mean just amazing like we were down a goal going into the final minute we tied it up jim slater longtime uh, uh atlanta thrasher winnipeg jet um tied it up with a minute left or 20 seconds left and the place went absolutely bananas uh, and, and at the same time, it was a, it was a month after nine 11. So like I, I was, I actually did a call earlier today and they asked me about that. And I, I, I can still remember standing on the goal line 
for the national anthem and, and my, you know, just the hair on the back of my neck going yeah. up and, and how much it meant to me to be standing there in that stadium with everything going on a month after all that that happened in New York. I mean, it was, it was, it was really, really special. And I have a lot of uh, mementos and memories and yeah, just, just awesome. So I was curious, I mean, you just mentioned, obviously like there's so many winter classics a year and I don't know, I want to know yeah. like from, from a player standpoint that played for so long, I mean, like as a fan watching the game, like, I just think there's too many. It's, it's no longer a classic, you know? It's like two times, three times a year. It's just... It's, it's marketing and revenue for the teams is what it is. Yeah, I guess. Well, and, and that's, I mean, it's, it's part of, you know, that's part of, uh, I think, sports today is, is you realistically, you're, you're, you're sports and entertainment, right? I yeah. mean, it is a sport and guys, you know, you know, you play it, but you're, you're, you're still, you're a game, you're playing it for a living and we're fortunate to play a game for a living. And, and the NHL, I mean, they're doing things to, it, it, it grows the game. It, it, it puts a, a marquee um, matchup usually on TV and in kind of a cool setting. I mean, you look at, you look at uh, Colorado and, uh, and LA this year um, with the, uh, with the game at, uh, at air force. Yeah. Uh, I was there. I mean, it was, like the venue itself, you know, if you're sitting way up top, it's not the best seats to watch a hockey game, but the venue when you're on a service academy and, and you have this, uh, you know, this amazing product on the ice, it's just, it's a really cool thing to be a part of. Um, I mean, I think everybody has their opinions on, on, you know, how many outdoor games there should be a year, winter classic stadium series that, you know, they, they, they have a number of different ones, but, um, I mean, it's still, you know, it's still a, a pretty cool thing to be able to do. And now I think they're expanding it into some different places. Obviously you saw the one in Dallas this year, which was, you know, maybe out of their norm. They're not, you know, now I've heard Raleigh potentially could get one. So these are ways to, to hopefully draw more fans in and grow the game in, in, in some places that, uh, that may never, you know, may never see an outdoor hockey game other than this. Well, yeah, we actually were fortunate here in Regina this past winter. They did uh, Calgary and Winnipeg outdoor game. And I went yeah, to it, and it was yeah, actually. Exactly. I, I'm an Oilers fan, but I mean, I enjoyed. I enjoyed the atmosphere of the game. It was. It was kind of cool to see, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 like I said, I mean, if you're if you're in the top row and you're watching a game, you're never. I mean, it's never going to be the best seat to watch a hockey game, but you're there for the the entire thing, right? You're there for the atmosphere, and you're there for for the, uh, the experience venue too, and any number of things. Yeah, exactly the experience and. And you know what? Maybe ten years, fifteen years down the road, you can say, "Hey, you know, like I was at that game, or I was at this game, or you know, whatever." I mean, you know, I, I, I almost played in a Winter Classic. I got traded after warmups when I was playing for Toronto. Against no shit, Toronto, eh? So. Really? Tell us that story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was I was playing for the Maple Leafs, and uh, the night before, I got a call from my agent. We had, you know, we, we were playing the Red Wings on uh, on New Year's Day. And, uh, in Ann Arbor, 110,000 people or whatever. Right. And, uh, my agent was like, Hey, uh, I, you know, there might be a trade coming through and I'm like, Oh, okay. Sounds good. You know, whatever, go to sleep, wake up. And the game's (laughs) at one o'clock or something, two o'clock. And, uh, so I, am getting, you know, getting warmed up before the game. And, and, uh, uh, I think it was Dave Nonis was the, the GM. He pulled me aside. He goes, Hey, he's like, we have a trade in place for you. We're just waiting on, you know, the, uh, the paperwork to go through. I'm like, all right, sounds good. I'm like, I'm still going out for warmups. And so he's like, yeah, sounds good. So I went out there, ripped around in warmups. Uh, I, I got to the red line, and, and two of my good buddies, Drew Miller, who uh, his older brother is one of my best friends, Ryan Miller, and then Kyle Quincy, who I played with in Colorado, are both stretching on the red line. 
and they're like, hey, how's it going? I'm like, oh, I just got traded. And they're like, no, no way, no way. And they're dying laughing in warm-ups on the red line. And so I just ripped around. I got done. I took all my gear off. I, uh, I sat there and watched the game. And the minute the game was over, I threw my gear in the equipment truck and rode the equipment truck to the Detroit airport to fly to D.C. to beat the uh, Hurricanes. You're a good teammate. Stick around there. I've been pissed. <laughs> and that was the HBO I mean, season, you know, wasn't it? Honestly, oh, yeah. yeah. I was, it was all over HBO, the, <laughs> uh, the trade. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I mean, it, it, was, it was one of those things. Like, it was just a cool experience. And, I, you know, I stood, at, you know, I stood by the, the locker rooms in the tunnel and watched the game and and, uh, you know, maybe had a beer or two and, and just, uh, I just tried to soak it in. I mean, I'm, you know, I don't know that anybody else has ever gotten traded after warmups at winter classic. <laughs> That's kind of my claim to fame in the NHL. Okay. <laughs> so John, I mean, you go on to play, I mean, you play from 03 to 17, you play for Colorado, Toronto, Carolina, and the Boston Bruins. Um, yeah. <laughs> how is it playing in Toronto? I mean, like, what's that like? I mean, obviously coming from, where are you from again? Indianapolis, like, Zion's, yeah, yeah, Zion's yeah. Like, what's it like playing in that <laughs> city with all the media? Uh, <laughs> honestly, uh, I, I, I've said this a number of times. Like, it doesn't matter how prepared you think you are for uh, playing in Toronto, you're never fully prepared. Um, like, it, 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 I just remember the first day of training camp and the doors open and i honestly thought like some barricade had broken that the fans got into the locker room like that was just hyenas hey pouring in <laughs> well it, it, and and a lot of them are great and i you know i had never had any issues or, or whatever when i was there but it's just there's so many and coming from colorado i mean you know you, it's it's hey a great market great sports town but you know you maybe had 10 or 15 on a big game or maybe 20 and like there was like seventy five, a hundred people in the locker room on day one of training camp. Can you move out of the way, please? So, I time my skates. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was. I mean, like that was that was kind of my my introduction to to Toronto. Um, I will say I love playing in Toronto. It, it is when you're winning, it is the it is the best place to play. And when you're losing, it is it is yeah. really tough to even to get away. Like I like I remember my first first year there and like we started out really hot out of the gate and uh and like I was you know playing well or whatever but we lost to Boston and I think we were like eight and two at that point to start the season or seven and two right yeah we had just lost to Boston that night and you know like you go game by game so I'm pissed off I don't want to talk to anybody I go to find like the the biggest dive bar little hole in the wall and just drink you know five beers or whatever and and just like go quiet and be to myself while like I'm sitting in the corner in this little hole in the wall. There's like six people in this bar and some guy comes up and wants to talk to the, talk to me about the power play, you know? And I'm like, oh, you know, God, it, it reminds like, you of the scene of slap like, shot. Like, hey, where, where, yeah, exactly. come on guys, yeah. you guys yeah. are playing like shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I'm like, dude, we're, we're eight and two. Yeah. We just lost to Boston and Boston is like kind of, you know, they're like the team to beat at that point. But I'm like, Buddy, we're eight and two. Like, I just want to just drink beer in peace. <laughs> Leave me alone. Okay, <laughs> so but that was. I mean, that's that's kind of how it goes when you play in Toronto. Like, it's uh, highs and you're, lows. You're always in the spotlight, and I mean, it's 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 they treat you so well there, uh, and and it is. It's a fantastic place to play. So, uh, how is Boston? I mean, because I know Boston's a huge hockey market too, right? So, yeah, I, I mean, Boston's. I mean. Boston's a little different. Um, I, you know what? I, I will say this. I love Boston. Um, 
you know, my wife's from Colorado. Uh, if we had not had roots in Colorado and, and been moving back here in retirement, I think we would have ended up in Boston. That was how much we loved it. Um, I, I will say when I first got tra- traded to Boston, I was like, I was a little bit intimidated because it's Boston. Like I always think of Boston and New York is like really similar. And man, we just, my wife and I absolutely loved Boston. We had our daughter, our first, uh, first daughter was really young at the time. Like she was a year old and that group of guys, like there's a reason why that group of guys has had the success that they have is they are genuinely, they care about each other on and off the ice. And that was like one of the, the biggest things for me. Like I got traded there. I was unrestricted. I re-signed there because of that. Like there's just, it's just a great core group of guys yeah. that they've put in there. I mean, you have Chara, but you have Bergeron and you have Marchand and you have Krug and you have these guys that, that, that genuinely care for each other on and off the ice. And it was such a fantastic place to play. I, I loved every minute of it. So correct me if I'm wrong here, John, and I, and I know you played no three, I mean, your first season there with Colorado, uh, I'm not sure. Yeah. I think I'm right, but how were guys like Rob Lay, Tange, Forsberg, Slaney, yeah. Korea, Hayduke, yeah. like any good stories? And then who's the biggest yeah. beauty from they, that that team? <laughs> um, I mean, that team was amazing. Like, like I walked in as a rookie, and and I made the team out of training camp. I was fortunate. Um, you know, I, like we had such a veteran team that they, you know, they could they could kind of put me in positions to succeed. But I mean, we had our top two lines were. Sakic, Korea, Solani, and uh, Forsberg, Tange, Hayduke. <laughs> and then we had Blake on the back end. We had Foot on the back end. We had Derek Morris. We had um, Skula. I mean, like, the, our team, it was you know, like it was kind of laughable. Like, my roommate on the road my rookie year was, was Joe Sack. I mean, it was just like, I, I, I literally spent the whole year just taking it all in and trying to absorb it all because it just, I knew it was never going to happen again. Like a team like that was never going to be put together ever again, especially with a salary cap era coming in. Yeah. Um, Rob Blake was amazing. He was my partner for the majority of my first three years in the league. And, uh, and like, un, like just one of the best guys you'll ever meet. So down to earth. Like I just remember like my, my first uh, regular season game, him and I were paired together and he was like, Hey, it was our home opener. He goes, Hey, when, when the guys are, when a rush is coming down on us, just force the forward to the middle. Don't give them the boards. And I was like, oh, all right. You know, like, we all, you know, you're always taught as a D-man, just force them down the wall. So, like, at the blue line, I, like, move over. And I think it was Tomo Rutu. Like, he sees me move towards the boards a little bit. And so he cuts the middle. And I'm like, I, I'm like, well, I'm going to go with him to the middle. Well, Blakey came across with the patented <laughs> Rob Blake ass, you know, back. Yeah. Like, hip check kind of thing. The original Cromwell hit. Like, I was picking... Yeah, exactly. But like at center ice at the offensive blue or the defensive blue line, he hit Rutu and I, and we're both like spinning on the ice. I'm like picking up my gloves from the far corner. You know, my stick's gone. Rutu's shit everywhere. And Blakey's the only one left standing. And that was like my intro to the NHL. I was like, oh, force him in the middle, right? Because you're Rob Blake and you kill guys if they come across the blue line. And so I would like force guys in the middle for men on, and I would just like put my hands up and start skating back for the puck in the corner because I just knew what was coming. Um, I mean, he just, he was, he was maybe the best guy that I could have ever been paired with on the ice, but off the ice too, like just seeing his work ethic and what he did to take care of his body and, and, um, like there was a reason why he always hit like that is because he had both shoulders had been operated Long, on and yeah. so hitting with his shoulders hurt too much. And so he hit with his back and his ass. 
Wow. Um, I mean, it was it was impressive just to see him take care of himself, and then obviously learning from Sackick and all those guys. Um, Dan Hino is uh, is probably the biggest beauty from from that team. Um, he and I lived together my first three years in Colorado. Uh, he kind of took me under his wing, and he was the guy. He was like the the fourth line guy that that he brought all the fourth line guys and the first line guys together. Like everybody just gravitated toward Danny. And those are the guys you love having on your team. And like one of the least skilled players I ever played with in my entire career, like by far, but one of the best guys, like, like living with him, I say he added five years to my career with what he taught me, but he took 10 years off my life. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, did you ever, I could be wrong here too. I'm just throwing this out there. Did you ever, ever play under Patrick Waugh? No, so I missed, missed okay. uh, I missed Patrick as a player um, by a year. and So he retired. His, his jersey retirement was my first, um, my home opener. It was my first game. So he, he never coached and you, though? As a, as a, he did not coach me. I got traded um, a year before he, uh, before he took over as coach. Okay. So NHL lockout year, you, uh, you, you go over to the German Deutsch Ease Hockey Liga for the We're not idiots. Iser Lone Roosters, if I'm reading that correctly. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the Lone Roosters, yeah. Iserlone Roosters. Was, uh, how yeah. how was that experience, yeah. John? So it was uh honestly like I wish I would have appreciated it more than I did because at the time I was twenty I was twenty three and uh and coming out of my first year in the NHL, I just played for the U.S. in the World Cup, and all I wanted to do was play in the NHL. I broke my foot in the World Cup, so I couldn't. I couldn't play anything. I was like, you know, I was out for like two or three months after breaking my foot, Jeez. and so I couldn't skate, couldn't play anywhere until January or actually December. Um, and so, at the time, like all I wanted was the NHL to get going, the NHL to get going, and so I. I didn't appreciate the experience for what it was. It was, I went over, I played and it was, you know, I was 23 and, and my mind was elsewhere, but I will say there was a lot of great guys on that team guys that I played with at Michigan state. And, uh, and you know what, it was, uh, it was definitely a, a learning experience for me. And, and had it been toward the end of my career, I think I would have appreciated a lot more than I, than I did at the time. So in, in 2006, you played uh, in Turin, Italy at the Winter Olympics for Team USA. That, I'm guessing, is probably one of your most memorable, greatest hockey moments? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, any time you put on the, the you know, the, the crest of, of Team USA or Team Canada or whatever, I mean, it just, it, you know, it, it makes it all that more special and... and uh, as tough as it was, I mean, just to, to break it down, I mean, we played with the Avs. We played in Detroit on a Sunday night. We flew back to Denver. I was on a flight Monday morning to Chicago, Chicago to, where was it? Chicago to Frankfurt, Frankfurt to uh, Italy. and landed on Tuesday morning. We practiced Tuesday afternoon, and then we played Wednesday at Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, like so the, you, you know, did the no milk you, ceremony. You, you did the milk run, and yeah. you probably didn't have any jet lag, right? 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're just you're you're running on fumes at that point, and that's game one, and it's you know it's two and a half, three weeks of, of just a dead sprint. Um, but I mean, something I'll cherish forever. I you know I, it's you, you can you know can't nobody can ever take it away from you. You're you're always an Olympian. Yeah, we didn't finish where we wanted to, but at the same time, I mean, it was it was really special. I loved every second of it. My family was able to go over there. My parents and my brother and my sister were all able to go over and, and see me play. And, and, uh, you know what? I mean, Hey, I got a, whatever, seventh place ribbon out of it. I, it it's still one of my, my <laughs> proudest memories. So did you get the Olympic tattoo? I, I did not get an Olympic tattoo. I, I think the, the prerequisite for that is you actually have to have a medal to get an Olympic tattoo. <laughs> Okay, John. I mean, this is a golf podcast, so we're gonna segue into some golf here. Um, yeah. You played today. How's how's the game? I mean, you said you played in what thirty k wins today. Must be nice. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, 30, 30 mile an hour winds with like up to fifty mile an hour gusts. It was not. Uh, it was it was not fun. Like I, my first swing on the driving range, and my hat went blowing like forty yards back. <laughs> um, it was. You still have the flow it, then? That was my first round. Oh, I, I'm, on, I'm on full quarantine flow right now. It's, I haven't had a haircut. Should have never fell uh, off then. Come on. That lettuce you got there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, my wife laughs because when we met, I had really long hair, and I haven't had long hair since then. And now she's like, oh, you're going back to the early days. <laughs> um, it's uh, my game. It was my first first round. I've been to the range a few times, my first round. So it was, it was good. I mean, I hit the ball. I hit the ball well. My short game stuck. Um, but you know what? I, I went from we had a we had a nice game of uh, Hammer Wolf going, which was my first time playing Hammer Wolf. I've, I've played Wolf before, but I never played Hammer Wolf. What's um, Hammer Wolf? I don't know so, Wolf. So so Wolf, yeah, it's it's same as same as Wolf, but you can you can hammer someone if they're like if you're in, if you're putting for birdie and two guys are like in the bunker the, on the other team or whatever, you can hammer them and they can either tell you to f off and and then you you win half the bet automatically and then if you make the birdie putt it doubles and so you win basically what the, the you would have won so like or playing cards they, like call bullshit say, right yeah yeah yes, okay. exactly yeah or they can say you know if, if you're if they're on the fringe and you say hammer and uh and you've got a birdie putt and one of them and they're like no no we don't you know whatever we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take we're gonna um you know uh, roll the dice and, and then they end up beating you. It's a whole thing. I'm still learning it to be honest with you, but uh, you win. I did. I will say I was, I was down 80 bucks going into 16 and I, and, and my partner and I flipped it, uh, and we were up 120. Oh, the so, stick. So it was, <laughs> yeah, but like I, my partner has played this like a hundred times and I, that was my first time playing hammer wolf. And so I was basically just lost. Uh, it, okay. it's, it's a, I, apparently it takes like 10 rounds to learn the, the intricacies of hammer wolf, but it, it was fun. I will say that. If, if I'm looking at, looking at you right now, you have four heads around me. So, uh, yeah, I'm <laughs> definitely need to, need to play a few times, but off the hosel and inside the clubhouse are proudly sponsored now by last mountain distillery. Saskatchewan's first micro distillery is family owned and operated located in Lumsden, Saskatchewan, the heart of grain country. Our success lies in our commitment to producing high-quality handcrafted spirits. Our signature products include Saskatchewan's best-selling naturally infused Dale Pickle Vodka, our naturally infused organic cherry whiskey, apple pie moonshine, and more. 
Our craft distilling process brings out the full flavor of the grain and leaves a smooth finish unlike any other. Visit us in Lumsden or watch for our full lineup of products at your favorite local retailer. Uh, Chase, you mentioned off the air, you're going, you're planning on going to Ireland, uh, with no other than the, maybe the best wrestler of all time, Joe Sackick, and maybe one of the best passers and, yeah. you know, Timmy Solani. Do you, you want to talk about that for us? Yeah. Well, so Joe turned 50, um, last summer and I, I'm turning 40 this year. And so Joe put together a, um, uh, uh, his, his birthday, uh, his birthday trip and so he's bringing three guys so myself and two other buddies and then Timu who's already over in Europe is bringing three of his buddies so it's eight guys and we're doing Ireland I mean that's the plan obviously right now everything is kind of up in the air but um yeah uh, Joe's still one of my my really good friends talk to him a lot and uh and see him around you know around the rink and and uh, a great guy really really good golfer um like so you talk about his wrister. So he's so he's. I'm I'm left-handed hockey, right-handed golf. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, left-handed hockey, left-handed golf, and uh, and and he his is his his swing. I mean, it's it's amazing, but it's it's funny because of how like how good his wrister is. Like his his hands, his hand eye. Like he can he can save himself from and like if his swing is off the rails, he just. He, Somehow he, he torques his hands to the right position every time. Like, he never misses. The perfect slash, eh? <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's it's amazing. But, I mean, that's, like, kind of what I expect from Joe Sackett. Like, it's just he's these. I would say he's, like, a, a probably a, a zero or a one is, is where he's at right now. Okay, so you just talked about a golf trip, and this next question is a little long here. We've had I've heard some mixed stories. I mean, I don't know those guys. I mean, I know Kami enough now, but from listening to Chicklets, I'm a huge fan. Uh, you're no longer invited back to the Clear Horkoff Invitational. You know, Ryan Whitney says because you had a baby. Kami says you were working out. Some guys felt a little nervous. I don't know what's going on. I mean, maybe Ryan's scared to play yet. again. What's the real story here, John? Uh, all right, so I, I, I was on two Horkoff Clear Invitational. Uh, after the second one, the next one I was invited back to, and my wife was due the week of the invitational, so I had I had to withdraw my name. And once you're off the list, you're not you're not you're you're at the bottom of the queue. Uh, as for the working out part, <laughs> I I went on one run one time over the course of <laughs> two two invitationals. I ran, I went on a run because we were in Ireland. We hadn't stopped drinking for, for seven straight days. And I was like, you know what? I just, I got to like sweat something out. And so I went on, we had played, I think we played 18 that day. That was one of the, the you know, most of the time we the played days, 36 yeah. and then we played, yeah. And so we played 18. I was like, all right, I'm just going to go on a run for, you know, 30 minutes. And I mean, we're in Northern Ireland, which was awesome. We were, you know, right near Port Rush. And I mean, it's beautiful up there. And so I, I was glad I did it because, you know, you're, you're on the coast, you're running. I mean, it was, it was, it was pretty cool, but I, I did get some shit for going on a run on the, in the Cleary Horkoff Invitational. Who wins quickly, Ryan Whitney or John Michael Owls? I mean, I've heard Witt has really turned his game around. Um, not turned his game around. He was always a really good player, but now he's like dialed. And I talked to him, uh, you know, we text every, uh, every now and again. And, and, uh, 
Like, he'll send me a scorecard, and he'll have a 77, and he's like, I have 32 putts. <laughs> like, he's, I mean, like, he, I, he said his putter is what's holding him back right now, and, and it, like, his ball striking is really good. I, I, would, I would honestly say that he might have me right now. Um, my game, once the second kid came, that was, my game has not been quite the same as it was. Well, maybe we'll have to we'll have to build a relationship here, John, and me and you have to we'll have to get a hold of Wit and Biz and play the Sandbagger Invitational. <laughs> did you notice I did you notice I didn't get an invite to that again? Hey, mm-hmm. hey Sorry. So, John, with like all this COVID stuff going on uh, in Colorado golfing, like, yep. I I know you're you're out golfing. What what kind of rule restrictions do they have that you know might be different than what we have back here in Regina? Oh, uh, I mean, I'm not sure what you guys are dealing with there. I know that we have um, one one person to a cart. Um, we have at my club we have 15 minute spaced out tee times, so four tee times an hour, which is actually kind of nice because if you're playing fast, you just blast through and nobody ever holds you up. True. Um, <laughs> we uh, what else? Do, do you we got? Have? Do you have raised cups uh, or the pool noodle? Yeah, they have the PVC in the cup, um, which I mean, you know, that's I don't. It's not out of the ground. It's just it doesn't allow the ball to go all the way down, and okay. you can't pull the flag. So, and we have no no rakes and bunkers. But beyond that, I mean, we're. I, I mean, I don't want to say we're normal, but it's it's not like there's nothing in the. It's whole not not thing normal. That, like, yeah. No, it, it doesn't like it doesn't deter you from playing golf at the moment. Yeah, it sounds very um, similar to here. Like we're we're twelve minute tee times, yeah. uh, one one person yeah. per cart. Unless you reside in the same household, you can take two. But yeah. same thing, yeah, no, no rakes, yeah. no ball washers. So it's kind of yeah, it's no kind of cool washers, to see no that towels. North America wide, yeah. they're they're implementing pretty much the same go- rules for golf. So. Yeah, and and honestly, like I played, you know, I played yesterday, and we had two groups, so we had eight, uh, we had eight guys, and everybody was great. Like one group finished, and we all sat like above the 18th green and just relaxed and, and had a beer, and then the other guys came up, and you know, you're not like you're not hanging on each other, but you're social yeah. distancing to a degree, and just you know, just I mean, it's nice to feel even a little bit normal, um, you know, golf one way, and then two, just ha- having a beer after. Um, you know, after the round, which is, it's, you know, for, for eight weeks, I was, you know, inside with, you know, my wife and, and a, a four-year-old and a, a one-and-a-half-year-old. I mean, that, you know, that's, uh, if, if you can make it through that, you can make it through anything, but it's definitely not easy at times. Right. Uh, so quickly here, John, before we go into our segment, that there's, a, there's a ton of questions here. Uh, we, we just wanted to ask you, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say you do. I, I don't know, but... Are you involved with any charity work or foundations that, I mean, even, even when you played in, even now after that, you're done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Free well, plug for I'm, you. Uh, pre- <laughs> 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 uh, I, uh, I, I mean, I'm involved now with um, basically, I mean, a- anything uh, avalanche related because I, I work, I do the, the learn to play and the youth development for the Avs. So I, I'm kind of all over the, the state of Colorado doing that, not necessarily a charity, but, growing the game of hockey at the grassroots level. Um, I, I, I'm the president of the uh, Colorado Avalanche Alumni Association. So, you know, our nice. goal is, is uh, basically working side by side with the Avs now um, to grow the, the, the game of youth hockey, be representatives for, for the Avs. We're working on putting together, we're, we're literally brand new, um, starting our own alumni association. Um, so we're putting together a couple scholarships every year 
for um, kids that played hockey through high school that maybe aren't going to play hockey in college. And, and you know, we, we don't have exact numbers yet just because we're, we're so new, but, you know, that's our hope is to provide, even if it's a couple thousand dollars for, for one or two scholarships a year, that's, that's our hope. And, and uh, you know, just going to try and grow it and, you know, model ourselves after some really great uh, alumni associations around the league when you look at the, you know, Arizona and St. Louis and Boston and Montreal and Toronto. I mean, there's, there's some, some gold standard alumni associations where we're, uh, you know, we're looking up to and, and uh, we're just, uh, just starting out. But I think, I think we're heading in a good direction. Right on. That's awesome, man, that you're still, you know, even, even obviously when you play, probably still involved. So that's awesome that you're giving back to, you know, just that's, that's a great foundation what you're doing there and stuff. So, um, on to our segment called Questions from the Gallery, sponsored by Player Golf. Be sure to use the promo code Off the Hosel fifteen for all of your orders. That's Off the Hosel fifteen for all of your orders. Alrighty, from our um, our third host, I guess he's not here today, but uh, right off the bat here, John, uh, cheapest guy you played with, and who always pays the bills? Cheapest guy I played with. Oh. That's a tough one. I, I mean, there's a lot of cheap guys, um, but not like I don't know. It's it's, it's weird. everybody's <laughs> cheap in their own way. I'll say that. Just yeah, answer the damn question. You know what Kami said I here? Know. Here, this this will be easy for you, John. You know what Kami said? What? Nick Lindstrom. Oh man! <laughs> I mean, he's at Rub Lake. Joe Sakic. I mean, there's there's some funny ones out there. Not necessarily cheap, but like like Eric Stahl drove the pickup truck he won in the All Star game like eight years before. <laughs> um, you know, like and like I mean, it's not like he's not cheap because he's got you know a beautiful house and and he was always like super giving and bought dinners for everybody. But it was just one of those things. It was almost like like he's joking around sometimes. Like he'd come rolling up in the pickup truck and we're like, why? Dude, that was like eight years ago. You know, people <laughs> um, forget. You know, like. Like, like, say, and, and, and same thing, like, like, uh, 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 you know, Paul Korea was, was a guy that, you know, everybody gave shit to, like, like, Paulie, buy the dinner, buy the dinner, and he never would. And, and it was, it was just, it honestly became just a big joke. Um, you know, and, and Paulie was never, like, he wasn't cheap. Like, he would, you know, he'd, he'd pick up tabs for, like, young guys or whatever. But if anybody said, like, Paulie, buy the dinner, Paulie, buy the dinner, like, you've made 60 or 100 million in your career, he'd be like, fuck you, I'm not doing it. <laughs> Okay, so hold on here there, John. Troy just um, gave me a look here. So, by the way, it's off the hosel 15 for 15% off of your orders. That's the first time we messed that up here in this, uh, this segment here. Sorry. Big, big brother's always looking out for little brother. Just talk next time. <laughs> nice, here you go. Nice. Okay, second question. We're going to get the two ugly ones out of the way right off the hop here. All right. Who in your playing career, NHL-wise, was your most hated player you could not stand playing against, past guy you just wanted to beat the shit out of? Oh God! <laughs> now, now we we've asked one? this question of, to a few other guys, and it's kind of a general consensus of who the same player is. So I'm just curious. Oh really? Yes. Can you guys give me the answer before I yeah. He has his own podcast. He's like, I play with Barnaby. No, not Barnaby. And it's not Barnaby. <laughs> it's not well, Wit either. I played with Barney. Yeah, on that O three team. I played with. Not him though. Not him. Yeah, O three. Yeah. I'll just tell you. He played uh, for the Rangers. He played for the Red Wings. He has a cup ring, actually, I think. He does. As a black ace. Oh, uh, is Avery? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He's not I mean, coming on the show, so it's okay. I didn't know, I didn't, I didn't know he had his own podcast. 
Yeah, it's what's it called? Um, no fucks given. No fuck. No fucks giving, and then it's not very good. Oh, okay, but anyway, yeah. I did I honestly had no idea he had his own podcast. He um, he fucking fish hooked me one time at the bottom <laughs> of a pile and like ripped, the, ripped, ripped all the gums off from one side of my teeth. I like I couldn't believe it. I, I, I was like, what the hell just happened? Um, I, you That's know what, Sean. Honestly, I never really had like that was that was like maybe my only real encounter with him though. Like I never you know. I never really had like any major encounters with him aside from that. And it was like out of nowhere, I just got like all the gums ripped off my teeth from this random fish hook. Um, I'm trying to think uh, who, you know what, honestly, like, and, and like, I, I'm sure he's a great guy or whatever, but like Jason Zucker always just got under my skin because he played for Minnesota yeah. and in Colorado. And, and like, it didn't matter if the score was like five to nothing. He would be going for breakaways. <laughs> oh, the worst kind of guy. I would, oh, I'm like, God damn it, man. It's, it's like a two minutes left in the third period, and you're ripping down on a breakaway, and we're down five rip. Like, come on, man. Sounds and, like and sounds like being beer league. He's, yeah, that's different, <laughs> though, right? Like, it's, yeah. No, the, like, uh, mensley, when guys do that, it's the worst. And when, they, when they're up 7-1, they're like, yeah, it's six points tonight. Oh. Uh, we're playing the yeah, worst yeah. team in the league, bro. Yeah. What are you doing? Like, uh, not that you're. <laughs> and, and I just honestly, like, I can't. I don't remember laying lumber on anybody maybe as much as I did him. But we also played them like six times a year too. Yeah, right. So, um, you know, Clutterbuck was in Minnesota too. I mean, a lot of Minnesota guys, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure there's a few Vancouver guys in there. Burroughs was probably up there on top of the list. Pos um, tried to you bite know, you, I mean, probably. We, we, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, we had you know we had we had some we had some decent rivalries with some some teams and and uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I fought twice in fourteen years. It's not like I have a, a lot of great stories in that regard. But I I'd lay lumber when I when I had a chance. <laughs> okay, so um, best prank you have seen and been a part of. Oh God, <laughs> best prank I've seen and been a part of. Man, um, they, I mean, my rookie year, thankfully, like, thankfully Paul Carrillo was on the team because I feel like I would have gotten it way worse. And for some reason that like guys just gave it to Paul, like he was, he was a rookie. Um, I mean, like Adam Foote used to hold him down in the, in the aisle of the plane and tickle him and he, and, and Paulie would like scream and, and laugh like, like a, like a 10 year old little brother. I mean, it was like, uh, I'm trying to think what else they used to do to him. Footy, footy took his jeans one time and cut the legs off of them and, and then put them on so that they would, they would fit over footy's legs. So it was like, I mean, they were like Andy Dukes on footy. Yeah, yeah, George. And then Paulie was like out on the ice still after practice, and Footy came out on the bench and was standing like up on top of the board, like with Paulie's jeans on. And I think Paul had Uggs on at the time, and so and Footy had like Footy ruined his entire wardrobe that day. Basically. Um, I mean, Adam Foot and Rob Blake every road trip would would run off the bus early and get Paul Korea's key and and go up to his room and like they would have you know they'd call ahead and have have uh, housekeeping put like a, a, a baby bed in his room and take the mattress out. And I mean, it was like, it was like a nonstop assault uh, for the entire year. Like, it was, I mean, it was, it was, it was really funny. Like 
I'm trying to think if I, I can think of any like really, really good pranks. D- um, does Paul now by world. chance run a stop bullying campaign? <laughs> no shit. <laughs> what what's that? I what's said that? I said, does Paul by chance now run a stop bullying campaign? Oh man, it was it was <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully social media didn't exist at that at that time. No kidding. Uh, yeah, it was um I mean, man, there's been some good ones. I don't know that I can actually say them out loud just because they're 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 pretty pretty bad and not really uh politically correct i'll say that (laughs) you know what barney told us one of he caught me off guard too what's that he's like um yeah we were shitting in guys beds i'm like what you're shitting (laughs) in guys beds like (laughs) oh man uh that, I, I I never saw that. I mean, guys would like leave huge shits in guys' toilets and stuff. I mean, that's you know that's kind of a normal prank. Um, man, I'm, I I wish I had a better answer. You guys caught me on, on, on like on the spot. I, I wish I had a better answer because I know there's some better ones that are that I could probably tell. We'll have you on again. It's all good, John. Yeah. We'll move on here. All right, perfect. <laughs> okay, so if your NHL career hadn't worked out as well as it did, um, what would you do? career-wise what would have been your chosen career Oof. uh you know what somebody asked me that one time and and had i not played in the nhl i think i probably would have after college gone right down to the caribbean somewhere and been a bartender for at least a few years I might oh be yeah <laughs> tom cruise the second here <laughs> yeah exactly that's I sick have, i would have gone cocktail for sure well at least I, I, yeah, at I least mean, you I didn't say you were gonna be I the did. uh the uh, bowling alley operator in Zionsville, Indiana. <laughs> if, if Zionsville had a bowling alley, I don't think I would be able to do that. <laughs> okay, this is uh, I don't know. This is from all my players that I coach. Uh, most suspect thing yeah. you've seen in the dressing room or dinner? Uh. <laughs> oh man. Uh, I'm not going to name names. I played with somebody that made tens of millions of like, like over 50 million, probably closer to like 70 or 80 million that would hang on to his per diem. Like he needed it to survive and he didn't. Forsberg. And he would go to, he would go to Chipotle the night before game for dinner and spend $11. Forsberg. <laughs> no, it wasn't Forsberg. No, actually I have a, I have a good Forsberg story for you. Forsberg, <laughs> Forsberg was making, when I came in the league, he was making like a ridiculous amount of money. And he gave me a ride home one time and he had like three of his paychecks uncashed, just sitting on the floor of his car. Come on. I swear to God. You I, looked at him? Uh, Pete, this is, I, yeah, I looked at him. <laughs> it, was, it was it was less than a half a million dollars after tax US. Not much less. That's and like they, that's that like one point three million Canadian right now. They weren't cashed? Each, each paycheck was. Jesus. Each, no, they weren't cashed. They each paycheck was. Oh my god. See you have a million and a half American just sitting there. Swedes. Pretty much. Wow. Wow, that is, yeah. Okay, we're gonna move on now. Um, <laughs> he never finished. Oh yeah, his he never finished goes. the answer to his that question. Sorry. You there, John? 
Most suspect thing you've seen in the dressing room or dinner table? Oh, in the dressing room or dinner table. Ah. Um. <laughs> Thought we lost you there. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I, I I went off on a tangent. Um. <laughs> I don't know. That's tough. Like once again, you, you you kind of put me on the spot. Most suspect thing I've seen in a dressing room. Okay, on part uh, two of John I, Michael I, Lyles yeah, on Off yeah, the yeah, Hosel, yeah, we'll get yeah, back to you yeah, on that one. Yeah, sorry, sorry, went, sorry, went blank. That, uh, <laughs> I mean, I've seen, I've seen guys, you know, phone in the dressing room in between periods, like not in the dressing room, but like going into going to the bathroom, you know, with the phone, like that. Really? And then, you know, Forsberg. Yeah. <laughs> Forsberg. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next question. Uh, if if you could pick your ultimate foursome. Past, present, player, personality, oh. actor, actress, yeah. celebrity. Who who would it be? Oh my goodness! Yeah, uh, and we're in the and we're in the foursome. <laughs> <laughs> I, I uh, myself, I would say Peyton Manning. Um, I gotta go with Tiger Woods, and man. Uh, you know what? Honestly, I would probably go, uh, probably go like like Wayne Gretzky, just you know, for the hey, let's 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 just get all the stories out in the open. Yeah, we actually we had Grant Fuhr on a couple of weeks ago. He would, he's a club pro down in Palm Springs. He was actually a really good interview. But uh, was, the, the next oh, qu- nice. the next question to kind of piggyback that one is: Who's the biggest golf personality that you've met or played with? Stole my question. What's your? Um, is it your your wife's brother, correct? Uh, so my wife's sister, her husband, is, he was a pro golfer. So that's that's my brother-in-law. He, um, that, I mean, like, honestly, I was like an eight handicap until you know until we married sisters, and then he dropped me to like a, a one in one summer. Um, I mean, he's he's I mean, he played you know Web.com tour for a number of years. He was you know Canadian tour. He won on the Canadian tour. Um, guys that I've actually met. Uh, I mean, Graham Dillette, you know, is, is, uh, he's a good buddy of mine. Sasky boy. He's best friends with my brother. Yep. Sasky boy. Yep. Uh, he's best friends with my brother-in-law. Awesome guy. Um, you know, he's probably the biggest golf name that I've met. I mean, Gary McCord lives up here near me. And so I've, you know, I've played with him a few times and I mean, he's, he's about as funny as they, they come. Um, yeah, I, I mean, that's, I don't have a ton of of uh, ton of connections there with the the, the, the professional golf world. Okay, uh, I caddied oh, for, for my brother-in-law at the uh, at the, uh, the the open in uh, twelve at Olympic Club. He was an alternate. I caddied for him there. Stood next to Tiger Woods for like three hours. Awesome. <laughs> That's about all I got. <laughs> so one more question. I hope this one doesn't stump you here. The third time's a charm. That my players also asked. In practice, what's the most bizarre thing you've seen someone do, or a coach, in the show? Um, <laughs> in practice, I mean, I've seen a number of guys just flat out walk off during the middle of practice for no reason. Um, I mean, Rob Blake was—I mean, he was arguably the worst practice player I've ever seen in my life. Uh, bizarro. Up in practice. Oh, 
we had rookie party one year in St. Louis, and uh, we had one guy that just puked all over the ice for the entire <laughs> next day of practice. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, that's um, one of those one of those things that you, you don't really forget. Uh, and I mean, the coaches all knew that we were rookie party. Like I was, I, I barely made it through practice. I slammed my hand in a, ca- a cab door the night before. Um, you know, like I'm, I, you know, just barely, barely hobbling through. I mean, guys are, you know, nobody's sweating. Nobody can right. get any sweat out. I mean, it's, you know, it's rookie party. Right. Right. That's right. How it goes. Yeah. I would say that's probably out there is, is guys, uh, you know, guys either throwing up on the ice or not being able to practice because they, they, uh, um, you know, they have food point allegedly have food poisoning, but they have a hospital bracelet on because <laughs> they were drinking all day. Had to get their stomachs pumped. And they had to get their stomachs pumped. <laughs> so uh, another question comes in here. It was, how is it transitioning from NHL player to retirement? And, and what are you currently doing now? Yeah. Uh, you know what? Honestly, it's, um, it's not as, easy or smooth as as you would you would always hope it to be um you know for me i knew i was going to retire my last year in boston i got another bad concussion and you know at that point i had a one-year-old daughter and and it was just you know okay this is this is it and and uh i knew i was going to hang them up and so you kind of start thinking about what do you want to do what do you want to do and you know i was fortunate i was able to reach out to the abs i knew i was moving back to colorado and and you know, do some TV work for them, do some analysis pre and post game. And, uh, I've been doing the youth hockey, youth development stuff, which has been fantastic. It's super rewarding, but you know, it's, um, it's not, uh, it's not an everyday job at the moment. So, you know, sometimes there are times where you've, you've had your life set up for you, uh, scheduled for you since you were, you know, 14 years old. And now all of a sudden you have this, this immense amount of free time, and you're not going into the rink, and you're not seeing the guys every day in the locker room, and it, it is. It's a huge change uh, and, and not always easy to grasp. I mean, I, I have really good days, but I also have some days where, you know, it, it's, uh, it, it's tough, and, it, and it, can, it can be dark. But um, at the same time, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I've got a young family, and, and uh, I'm, I'm definitely trying to, to soak in every moment uh, of, of this, this time because – it's it's definitely strange at the, at the moment with no hockey and no sports and, and whatnot, but, uh, you know, you just try and make the most of it and, and you know, see what comes next. And honestly, that's kind of how I've approached every moment of retirement. Like I've, I, you know, I've tried to, tried to reach out and, and, uh, you know, maybe make some things happen here or there, but, you know, just, uh, you know, kind of going with, uh, one day at a time. Right. So, um, this is a question actually my boss down in Weyburn, Rich Pilon, you know, he played a long time on the show. Yeah. Uh, I've asked him yeah, this question. Yeah, 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 Rich, tough too, yeah. hey? Yeah. We're going to have him on the show. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I, nice. Go nice. on, sorry, go on. I've heard some good stories about, I've heard some good stories about Richie. <laughs> yeah, he's a beauty. Um, so. <laughs> Drew doesn't want you to say anything if I'm just looking at him. <laughs> no, no, I just. So as a qu- the question is, I asked him this, and he said so loud. I'm curious to know, I mean, how loud are the goal horns when you're on the ice? 
What's your favorite rink to go into play and the worst rink you're just like, oh my God, I'm going to get blown up all damn night. You're also so, buzzing so though I'm too. Biased. I, yeah, I'm biased. Like I grew up in, in the U.S. Um, I, I, Brian Leach was my favorite player. I, I, I love um, like being, being U.S. born, like Madison Square Garden, it's the worst ice ever, but it's like the coolest place to play because it's like the mecca of U.S. sports for me right and yeah. so like my first game in, in msg was like the coolest thing ever and it's new york obviously like new york city is, is like always a blast if you're staying over you always have fun there like it's great um uh, you know like there's so many great cities and like really great rinks like i love playing in edmonton the ice is always fast like it's just a, it's an awesome rink uh you know the old rink i am I, I don't think i actually ever played the new rink um aside from getting bag skated when i was a healthy scratch uh <laughs> The uh, um, the worst place for me was always I man I I don't honestly don't think I ever had a good game in Calgary like there it would be like one out of every ten games I think I had a good game in Calgary and it was like I knew that Iggy was coming out and I knew that you know friggin' Regeer and uh, Rhett Warner and like I knew I was getting run through the boards like fifty times and every time they scored those the flames. flames you know, so hot <laughs> and it was just oh my god um and it, yeah and i just you just knew exactly what you were in for every game and i mean that was you know that was part of of how they um you know the, how their team was but it was just like i just honestly don't know that i ever had a good game in calgary like i said maybe one in every 10 games i would play well there so your your golf career um on average how many rounds of golf <laughs> are you getting in on a year and do you have any hole in ones and favorite place to play. I do not. Oh man, I do not have any hole in ones. Which, uh, like, I'm kind of losing my mind at this point uh, about it. John, um, John, I'm the same age as you, and I still don't have any hole in ones. So don't feel so. Me bad. too. And play, well, I'm 24, but I'm playing play my whole life. Though I haven't got one yet. God, it feels it's never didn't happen. You're 15 yeah, years then, younger than us. Yeah. And it's, yeah, and it's like at some point I feel like the dam's got to break because. You know, like my brother has a hole in one, and he's like a 15 handicap. And his hole in one, he he, it was like an elevated green, and he sculled it into the front hill and launched his club like 30 yards because he thought he had he had uh, he had knocked it over, and he ended up getting up there and it was in the hole. And I'm like, this is this is like mind blowing right now. Um, I, I don't have any hole in ones. Uh, Before you answer the next question, there, John. Like sorry. Sorry, before I answer the next question, you know, this would be the year I did a hole-in-one. You don't get free booze after you score because you got to go home. Yeah, This would be my and yours and Troy's year. This would be the year that I would hit it and it would go in the hole but hit the PVC. And pop right out. Yeah, exactly. I'm getting in maybe 20 rounds probably this year, just given where the kids are in age. Uh, the youngest one isn't in school yet. And once she gets in school, then I think I'll probably up that. But I mean, when I was, you know, young and, and newly married and no kids, I mean, I, I would probably get in close to 40 rounds and, and I could go to the range for four hours at a time and not think twice about it. Uh, uh, and then uh, favorite place to play, um, probably a couple places, Port Rush in Northern Ireland, uh, like just, amazing spectacular beautiful course and then cypress uh in california just a bucket list place 
I, I, I'm sorry, Drew. I got to cut you off, but you said 40 rounds when you were young and newly married, no children. Yeah. And I'm going inside my head. Well, last year I did 68 rounds and I've been married for oh, 14 years. <laughs> and then I went, Oh shit. I that didn't was, play. Yeah. I didn't play in the NHL. Right. I yeah. forgot there was yeah. something there. <laughs> that was, that was tra- training camp kicking in like the first week of September. And then your, your <laughs> golf game, just my golf game completely shut off. That was, you know, I trust me if there was, if there was nothing like right now, I don't have any, you know, I don't have anything come fall, but I just don't have, you know, now I, now I have kids that are two young kids. And so it's, there's just not, not as much time to get out and golf for four hours at a time. Daycare. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm working on it. Don't worry. Okay. Uh, John, one more question here. And then, uh, I hope you have a good send off story for us before we let you go. But last question is for all our, our young listeners, you know, hockey players, golfers, any athlete that, you know, we asked us to all our, our, our celeb guests, you know, what do they got to do? to make that level to make the you know nhl, NHL? professional professional level you know yeah. golf or yeah. baseball i don't know whatever the hell it is i mean <laughs> uh, i mean honestly it's uh i mean i wish there was there's a, a simple answer but i mean for me it was always okay how can i work harder than anybody else and uh and 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 just put my, you know, put myself an advantage before anything starts, whether that's training camp, whether that's stepping onto the ice, whether that's stepping into a game. Like I always tried to give myself the best advantage by just working harder than everybody else because I, you know, I'm, I'm smaller and, and yeah. so I knew that I had to be faster and I knew I had to try and be smarter. And, and that was kind of how I, I, I approached everything. And, and, and the other thing too is I always reevaluated everything after every season. And, and you know, if I had a bad season, it was okay. How did I approach last summer? And how did I approach diet? And how did I approach training? And how can I change it to um, to tweak? You know, what I need to tweak. And that was, you know, and and, and honestly, it was very similar to, to how my golf game was too. I mean, yeah, like my brother-in-law is a pro golfer, but I wasn't afraid to go to the range and bang balls for three hours to work on one thing. And, and, yeah. you know, I, I don't know, maybe that's personality and, and maybe that's, you know, some, some, some stuff that, that, you know, issues going on with, with my brain, but that was just how I always was. And I, I mean, you probably also forgetting the fact to, it'd be helpful, helpful if you were born in Zionsville, Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. There's, yeah. We're just, we're producing, uh, NHL hockey players. Left and right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, John, uh, I hope you have one good send-off story for uh, all our listeners here. I'm excited. I hope you have one good one here. Uh, I mean, we stumped you for the few questions cool. earlier, but uh, if you had one good send-off story that uh, that everyone would definitely enjoy. I mean, I, I don't have a, I don't know, I have a, a, any great ones. Uh, I, I mean, the Horcock Cleary Invitational is always always a treat. Um, I, I remember playing at my in my last one. Uh, the last round of my last one and we had uh, we had I mean it's always a good group of guys I think we had 15 16 guys on the on that one in, in Ireland and and, uh, and Jacob Markstrom got uh, pretty inebriated and passed out on the 18th green for <laughs> over an hour and we were the first group and there was three more groups coming in and <laughs> he was he was asleep on the fringe and uh, and, and guys were Guys were launching balls at him for from like 150 yards out, and Marky's like one of the best guys you'll ever meet. 
And it was like, we have, we have pictures from that trip. Like, you know, we have 15 guys around him with Guinnesses and, and Marky's just asleep with the, with a bottle of, you know, some, you know, Irish whiskey or whatever. And, you know, it's just, it's one of those memories that like never leaves you. He's, he's so awesome. And, and uh, I mean, those trips were just amazing. And just one of those things, like we couldn't have laughed harder at the time. Well, John, this has been awesome, man. I really appreciate uh, you coming on the show. I know we had a lot of fun doing this, and uh, we hope we can have you on again at some point. Yeah, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. That was, that was a blast. Thanks, John. Take care. This episode of Off the Hosel is brought to you by Extreme Hockey and Sports and Umbrella Marketing Solutions. One stop for all your sports, marketing, and corporate team and sales. Come down and see Donnie and Daphne for all your sports and corporate needs. Or contact at this number, 306-539-6101, or email donnyyearen at extremehockey.net. That's D-O-N-N-Y-U-H-R-E-N at extremehockey.net. Well, boys, there it is, the interview with John Michael Lyles, what, 14-year NHL veteran. A lot of funny shit in this podcast. I had a blast doing it. I know I know, D-Hedge wasn't here, but uh, Troy, uh, quickly before we let everyone... Uh, Zionsville. Zionsville, Indiana. Love it. Yeah. No, he, like I said off the top of the show, like there's not, I don't know any other players from there. There was a MLB player that he mentioned. I can't Catcher even... for the, pitcher for the Cleveland Indians. Yes, I do remember that. So that's pretty cool. I mean, I mean, obviously he talks about his playing days and, you know, why he didn't, I think he played college and he didn't play junior. He's a smaller guy. He snapped it around. and Best friends with Joe Sackick. Yeah. Well. Almost best friends. Remember when he asked him off the record? He would, would Joe Sack come on the show? <laughs> he goes, you wish. And then he's like, uh, yeah, I run these like hockey or these golf uh, alumni events. And they're like, oh, yeah. So is Joe going to be there? And he's like, no. He goes, Joe, no one wants to see me golf. I won't see you. No one wants to see John McAllow's golf. Yeah. But no. So it was uh, a lot of fun. Um, Danny, anything? Oh, this is a great, great episode. And hope everyone enjoyed it. Yeah, I just want to remind everybody to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at at underscore off the hosel facebook off the hosel be sure to go over check our friends out on facebook hook line and sinker again it'll be in our twitter and instagram bio the link get your spots for the candle lake unlimited ultimate golf package 30 dollars a ticket um yeah you don't want to miss out on that and last but not least drew i just want to mention our little uh promotional t-shirt giveaway remember guys get on over there to apple podcasts subscribe rate and review get yourself first 20 people get yourself a golden tea t-shirt yeah that's perfect uh just screenshot the photo put on your story send her away whatever it is first 20 get one um quickly extreme hockey donnie urine got her hats in so get a hold of us uh 30 for hat five dollar shipping on top of that so 35 dollars total um our dms are always open so other than that i don't have much uh much more you guys Hey, happy Canada Day, everybody. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, Canada. That's all for my surname voice. I was in choir for a couple of years, but that doesn't matter. Anyhow, Danny D. Hedge, always a pleasure. Happy to be your voice. See you guys next week. And my brother, my co-host, I love you. Love you too, brother. Always a pleasure. See you guys Enjoy. Talk to you guys later. Have a great week, weekend. Happy Canada Day. I don't know. That's it. That's all I got for you guys. See ya.